0: You can walk into a movie theater in Amsterdam and buy a beer. And I don't mean just like a little paper cup,
1: I'm talking about a glass of beer. And in Paris, you can buy a beer at McDonald's. And you know what they call a, a quarter pound of cheese in Paris? They don't
0: call it a quarter pound of cheese? I mean, they get the metrics.
1: Welcome to the Hook Up On Film with Adam and Tony. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen good evening ladies and gentlemen we are tonight's entertainment welcome to another fabulous edition of the hookup on film my name is adam as always i am joined by my co-host tony how you doing tonight tony
0: doing good how are you my man
1: doing well thanks we got we're back on track to some nuts and bolts topics we got a handful of movies to discuss A handful of movies to catch up on That are now on streamers Which includes The Menu She Said And White Noise But first we are going to start with a movie battle Like we always do We got a Martin Scorsese Top tier classic movie battle Of Goodfellas Versus The Departed Tony (laughs) Tony I always forget you got a graphic for that. No, I
0: like I like you're gonna say Tony, and then next time you could say who you got when we come back in. All right.
1: Well, we're live to tape, so I'm not doing it again. But Tony,
0: I no, I no, I mean next time. Next time. See,
1: we're we're working on the kinks in front of everybody.
0: That was good though.
1: Tony. <laughs> Which one are you picking? You have to say your answer first. I'm not doing this really you go, oh well, what do you think? Okay. You got to pick. That we is true,
0: and honestly, I'm glad that you pointed that out because there's going to be a lot less of that this year. A lot less. It's, of that. It, what, do you, what do you think? It's going to be straight up. Really quickly, though, I, I got to play this little part. here. They
1: were all over the house, Karen. That was worth sixty thousand dollars. I need that money. That's all we got. What was I supposed to do, Karen? They were
0: in Karen. all the money that we had, Karen. I was dependent on that. Karen. Did you do that. I they were all
1: over the
0: house. <laughs> no, now. now now, uh, we, we, we a little bit of a, a little secret into a topic we're going to be talking about next week where you said most uh, things we use quotable on a daily basis. I've used that quote quite a bit to my wife just goofing around. Karen, we needed that money. Like, even if she goes to Target, like, Karen. Is your wife's uh, name Karen? No, no, it's Katie. But, I mean, it's close. But uh, that being said, Man. my
1: favorite part of that scene before I, you tell yeah, no, i i love that scene the fact that like of course karen made the right decision oh, like he didn't hide the coke that no. well it was under the no. sink no. like no, oh they're he... gonna search the house and not find the taped coke <laughs> to the top of the sink you idiot his reaction
0: like just it's like he's like does this thing where he, like he's crying for a second but then he's angry really great acted scene um you know it's crazy because you know I I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Goodfellas. I'm gonna go Goodfellas. I all day long I'm gonna be honest with you. I was going Departed, but I think honestly, and I'm not gonna do this anymore. I always want to go against the grain for some reason. Not that I don't think the Departed is amazing, but. I just think is a
1: exactly
0: better I mean. it's a better acted. It's a better I can't even say better acted because they're both greatly
1: acted. I just think Goodfellas is better. For many I th- lots of I reasons. I think Goodfellas is like objectively the better movie. Um I think part of the reason the departed gets a little bit high up in esteem is because it ended up Scorsese ended up winning his best director and best Movie Academy Awards for it. But if we're being honest, it's not necessarily top tier Scorsese. Like, I don't know that The Departed, like, if The Departed didn't win the Oscar, or like, let's say Scorsese had rightfully won it for Goodfellas as opposed to Dancing with Wolves, it Dances with Wolves, whatever. And The Departed, like, I think in a week year, it was one of the better films. And like it just got nominated, like it does. But like if Goodfellas had won the Academy Awards for Scorsese, would we revere The Departed as much as we do? It's an unknowable question. I'm I kind of lean no, though. That being said, which film would I rather rewatch right now? It's The Departed, Honestly, um,
0: and that's why I, I for me, I think The Departed's got a better. Just as this, my personal, I think it's got a better rewatchable quality than Goodfellas does.
1: I mean, both both immensely watchable. Don't get me wrong. I just think, like, I'm actually picking The Departed, even though. <laughs> excuse me. I think Goodfellas is objectively the better movie. I think it's well made. I think Scorsese's use of diegetic music is absolutely incredible. I think its final act, you know, especially the coked up scene at the very end, um, is something that. that That filmmakers have, especially Todd Phillips, but like he's not the only one. Filmmakers have tried to emulate Goodfellas, or have like here's my own version of like trying to do Goodfellas, and no one can do Goodfellas like like only Scorsese can do it, right? He's he's one of the only ones. He's one of the best for a reason. Um, I don't know, man. There's something fun about The Departed though that Goodfellas just doesn't have. There's something about a little bit of like. Little bit of lightheartedness, a little bit of lightness, a little bit of like not taking itself too seriously. Doesn't have the shots like Goodfellas has. Like Scorsese is like trying, but it feels like Goodfellas is really trying in a way that I actually feel like helps the departed. Again, I think it makes it a little bit like lesser tier, whatever for whatever that means for Scorsese, is like 40 movies. Um, but man, I absolutely love the performances. I I mean Nicholson is just on one. Um, I know you like Black Mass, but to me, like we can't have a Whitey Bulger movie because it's basically right. The Departed, I and mean, it's well, basically that, what Nicholson was doing. Um, well, <laughs> I, I just I, I love The Departed. I love the cat and mountainous of it. Um, it,
0: it. Being entertained is my number one goal. So, like in any movie we talk about, it's it was I entertained now. Now, when we talk about The Departed, on our very first film battle, the battle was Goodfellas versus Casino. And you pick Goodfellas hands down. I pick Casino. I think The Departed is, if what you didn't like about Casino or some of your problems with Casino, I think The Departed corrected those problems. I mean, Scorsese did. It's fun, like you said. Um, I think DiCaprio does a great job. I Nicholson, of course, is Nicholson. Even Matt Damon is is really good in it. Um, but, uh, I mean, good fellas, I think it's the time periods too. One is shot in an old 1950s time period. The other one's shot in more of a recent. I mean, I don't know. It depends on your preference.
1: I also just think, like, if we were doing top five Scorsese, it's like they're both probably top, th- like, even three. I just, I enjoy The Departed more and it's like nothing to do with the quality or anything to do with Goodfellas. I also just wonder if like The Departed, like it came out when I was like a, I think a freshman in in college, which I think helped it a little bit versus I kind of caught up with Goodfellas always being on TV. Regardless, I absolutely love Goodfellas. It's like anything I say is like a knock to Goodfellas is because like I'm like nitpicking. Truthfully, it's probably like a tie, right? Well, I mean, it, 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 there's there's it, nothing it, really wrong with any either well, film,
0: no. and really what these I love these film battles more is because it gives us another, another um, chance to look deeper into these movies. And I mean, for me, The Departed was the ending. I, as though those that coked out scene at the end of Goodfellas is top notch. I like the pull of the card of, with DiCaprio and Departed. I did not never, never saw that coming before Wikipedia, before you could read about movies. And I think that is a really strong play in the
1: movie because you just don't see it coming. Assuming Killers of the Flower Moon gets released this year, which it should, um, we're going to do a tier ranking Scorsese. Do you think The Departed rises to iconic? Like we do, you know, Spielberg, we did iconic, awesome, mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. I think The Departed very like easily is excellent. I, I like. I go back and forth as, like, I think Goodfellas is clearly iconic. I don't know that The Departed is.
0: I, I like in these two movies, you know. I mean, these, this may be really far off, too. I could be really far off. But, like, you got Godfather, okay, which is a classic. Everyone loves it. I don't And like then it. you got something like Dog Day Afternoon, which is also an equal classic that was automated for a bunch of Academy Awards. But people don't talk about it as much as Godfather. For whatever reason, and honestly, Dog Day Afternoon's a pretty cool storyline. But like, I
1: mean, it's not like Dog Day Afternoon has gone to the waysides of the Zeitgeist. Well, no, afternoon.
0: and neither is The Departed, but you're, is it iconic? I think it is, but can it, when's it going to get more iconic? Maybe more time? I don't know. I, you know, it's a good question.
1: I think The Departed is helped by the Oscar wins. Yeah. Like, I, I kind of prefer Little Miss Sunshine, which came out the same year it's like a personal preference are two completely different movies, but like no one is like literally goes back to, I think the part came out in like 2004, 2005. No one is really going back and like really litigating that Oscar season. Cause not only does Scorsese got his wins finally, but it wasn't like a super deep movie year
0: well,
1: versus like this. Goodfellas get help because it lost.
0: Well, it, it's, it's The Departed. I mean, I, I'm a really big, I guess you could use the term as a homer. When I leave the movie theater, especially with The Departed, I'm like, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen. This is Scorsese's greatest work. I saw it a couple times at the theater. Now that it's been, what, 10, however many years it's been, I'm, I think it's great. I think it's amazing. I think it's iconic. But, I mean, now I'm comparing it to his other movies because time has passed. So, you know, I mean... I think it's equally like you said, a tie. They're both. And I honestly I think you should we should think about putting it in the eye, you know. Maybe I mean, not we, yet. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good we have, thing. We have we have
1: months up. to discuss it. We months to discuss it. I don't know when this movie better freaking come out this year, man. I saw someone post something that recently that it wasn't coming up to
0: 2024, but I didn't read oh much in, I didn't read into it though. I swear to freaking god. There's no reason it should be it should be I'm uh, pretty sure long. it's
1: done like but, but this breath, breath breath
0: breath. Breath in. this scene right here, real quick. Here from the Departed, I uh, got this little clip here. Here we go. Cranberry juice. It's natural diuretic. My girlfriend drinks it when she's got her period. What do you get your period? And he busts the glass on his head. In Listen, like stage. I'm
1: glad you brought up. Like I was about to. Great minds, man. I was just about to talk about that scene. Like oh, awesome. being especially cool. like. An 18-year-old kid watching that movie, that scene was so fucking cool. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Just like Honestly, when I went to all I could do is go to YouTube, try to find some a cool clip. That was the first one that came up, and it it again adds and and DiCaprio isn't even I mean DiCaprio isn't even uh in, in the clip feature, but you know what his next move is. He slams that glass right into his head, and that's what's
1: cool about listen. That. There are people you can't hit, and there are people you can't hit. <laughs> now that's a guy you can't quite hit, but you shouldn't be hitting that guy. I remember being in parties, like, talking about that scene. I'm pretty sure, like, this past uh, couple weekends, my brother was in town, and, like, Cranberry Juice came out, and my brother goes, what are you, on your period? Right. Like, <laughs> it's such a funny line. It's such it's a it's such really a very, line. like, guy scene, and it's very mm-hmm. much like a Scorsese moment. I, but, I mean, it's not like, also, Goodfellas has quite a few of those moments. You know what I mean? It's not like Goodfellas is lacking. Yeah, um, that's true. I mean, Goodfellas has got,
0: I mean, you said it goodfellas is iconic you know i just think goodfellas is like smells like teen spirit man like it's iconic it's great everyone knows it but is it is their best song i don't know you know yeah
1: definitely. i mean that makes the departed in bloom which is a yeah, song which i much like preferred
0: it. to listen to then know, i teen picked spirit. goodfellas already i do and prefer in bloom over smells like teen spirit so i agree it's actually kind of the perfect analogy. Yes, I do.
1: We're trying here tonight. We're trying. Um, Where are we
0: going to now?
1: All right, and that was our move, our Scorsese movie battle of Goodfellas versus The Departed. Tony picked Goodfellas. I picked The Departed. Honestly, I don't think you can go wrong. Oh, honestly, all day I was going. To- all day all, a
0: little look behind the curtain all day long i was going to the departed but i was picking goodfellas because i thought you were going goodfellas and you picked the departed <laughs> so it actually worked out well I, I mean because
1: i do love goodfellas and I, I, did, I mean, we're we gonna did we're departed gonna departed. we're gonna relitigate our goodfellas versus casino we, we Man, will we'll,
0: we'll talk about that later
1: all right we have we have three streaming films to discuss right now the menu she said and white noise how do you want do you want to go worst the first you
0: you pick the movie i'll put it up here
1: we're gonna go worst our it's my personal opinion of yeah the best you of the your, least, your ver-
0: you pick your least favorite of worst
1: of version worst All right. of best. a film that was number 10 on your top 10 movies of 2022 it's a movie called the menu it is written by seth reese and will tracy it is directed by mainly an hbo tv director mark Mylod. Starring Ralph Fiennes and Natila Joy and Nicholas Holt. I know how much you love the menu. Do you still feel like a week later that you feel strongly having it in your top ten? Continue
0: as planned until we deal with an unresolved matter. You. hmm mm-hmm. Continue as planned. Okay. Yeah, uh, honestly, I'm. it's hilarious that you're doing it this way, because I love it, because I actually feel stronger about it. I was actually bringing it up at dinner tonight. I was just quoting Ralph Fiends. You know why it's not a perfect movie by any stretch or any means? But is it fun? I actually maybe even find it more fun than Glass Onion. Is it a better movie than Glass Onion? No. But it reminds me of like what Barbarian was trying to do. Like, it's just fun but what's your opinion of it i want to hear yours and i want to kind of go go off of you on some of this stuff because i'm I'm excited about these conversations
1: yeah so i think this is very clearly the best movie of the three we're going to talk about i do like a lot of aspects of this film i do think the thriller aspects are the really more enjoyable aspects in the relationship between the three leads of fiends taylor joy and holt are quite enjoyable. Um, To me, it's, I don't think the script did a great job or Myla did a really good job of incorporating the ancillary characters into the story. And that's outside of Hong Chao's character, um, mainly in particular, the, the other dinner, um, patrons i thought weren't incorporated very well and they didn't have a great relationship i thought to ralph fiends which i thought kind of brought down the movie as a whole um like this movie is almost literally like eat the rich right like like glass onion it it's another one of these you can call it slightly lefty stories um about class division right you know this is they're eating at a restaurant that costs uh, what would they say? Fifteen hundred dollars a plate. Yeah, and requires two. And so for something like there's a table of the tech, bro- not there weren't tech bros. There were technically Wall Street bros. Oh, that, that yeah that 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 part worked for me, but then it gets to other parts of the John Leguizamo character. Yeah, of, like that the actor who he saw the one part. It's like he okay, that. he he made a he made a bad movie that you didn't like. So he, yeah. it's um.
0: That's the ridiculousness of it where, where it was like, he, he was doing things. That's what made him like what he was. I mean, obviously we'll get to that in a minute, but he was, wasn't, he was, wasn't playing with the full deck of cards, or fiends. Right. I mean, you're, you're going with that. Or was he, was he pulling with the full deck of cards? I don't
1: know. This is a very well thought out plan that. I mean, but like him and he,
0: he's, he's, I mean, people are dying though. I mean, like, I mean, if police got wind of this, he would be going to jail. It's, let's put that. Well, I mean, yeah. That, your... I
1: mean, that part I could suspend my disbelief about, you know. All right, that's you what do. I'm
0: saying. But that being part.
1: But it also <laughs> felt like a little bit like the Saw movies where eventually it's like. Well, were these people been to this restaurant though before, correct? Uh, some of them have. Not, not all of them? You don't No, know, yeah. I, don't know. I don't think the Liguizamo character did. Okay. The Nick Holt character definitely didn't. Yeah. There was that one couple who like went there all the time. And like,
0: so, so really quick here, because now I'm trying to think of, because I know the whole scene, but why did he bring Nick Holt there?
1: I mean, Nick Holt was just like, a, a he's a foodie and just like wanted to try a super expensive, like have a restaurant experience.
0: Oh, gotcha. And so that's why he brought him into the kitchen and had him cook. Gotcha. Okay.
1: Well, there was like, there's a catch where it's like, um, I don't want to reveal too much, but you know, Nichols Holt knew more than he let on. Yeah. Um, so for that part i get like he needs to be punished but also there's like i said there's a there's a sense of like the problems that i had with the saw franchise of like okay and i'm pretty sure it got brought up at some point like a saw Four or something where it's like you're torturing these people just to torture people like you can make up any excuse to torture people right like
0: yeah.
1: the fact that john leguizamo and like his his date like the excuse i was like Okay, I mean now you're you're kind of stretching it, um, and that in that part it's like if you're gonna have comeuppance for characters, I feel like that comeuppance needs to be deserved, and I didn't feel that was the case for like half the tables. Did you like how they
0: put up the um the on the screen like the the uh oh
1: no, the, the, the different. I, I love the Nicholas when he tries to cook a meal and it's yes. like, <laughs> Tyler's bullshit.
0: <laughs> yes, that's that kind of stuff I thought was unique and different to it. Yeah, there's um,
1: there's a lot of stuff that I, I did like. I did like the, the premise, um, like the whole premise of like, why well, they're there and people getting come up. You're and...
0: talking about, you, you got yourself a pretty, you got yourself an Oscar caliber movie. I mean, I think what the things that make it kind of like that, that cheesiness is like, the Liguizamo stuff and stuff like that, I, you know. I don't. There's know almost like too like
1: many that. tables at the restaurant, which made like, sense for the restaurant, but I don't know, made sense for the. Plot, I like I like his mom. Movie. I like
0: this mom in the restaurant, like drunk, yeah, just hanging out at the table over there.
1: The mom was great. The TV, uh, the not TV critic, the food critic was great. Like I, I love that and the, and the commentary, like well, such yeah, the pretentious. Who's the, bullshit. Yeah, the,
0: who's the boss, mom? Judith Light. She yeah. was Like the the one who was getting cheated on. Who's this lady? Which it took, t- I, I watched it twice. It took the second time, because uh, I watched the second time with my wife, where that was actually Anna Taylor Joy. You yeah. Know, but not to give anything away, but I just did. I give a, You have to give a little spoilers away to this movie. It's hard to talk about without just giving a little bit of detail, but it's nothing. The movie's an experience in itself. Actually worth watching a couple times from my perspective, because you could catch a couple new things. I didn't even catch the first time
1: when I watched it. There, there is a lot to like about this movie. I, I do like more stuff that I didn't like, um, but overall, it's the stuff I didn't like that feels like, like this movie for me, like didn't wouldn't crack my top ten, and it's not gonna like wouldn't come close to. But that being said, like if you're on HBO and like you're looking for stuff to watch, you can do so much worse than the menu. Like well, if you're well, just that- looking for like an enjoyable time, like this is definitely gonna be right up your alley.
0: Another movie I really, really wanted to on our countdown put it at number 10, and I know that you enjoyed the movie a lot too, and this kind of puts – this movie is in this bracket too also, I think, and that was uh, Idris Elba and Beast. You know, I think it was a good movie. You know, I think it's entertaining. Do I think it will get – should get, should or would get awards? No. That's why I don't – I honestly believe that this would should get awards over Top Gun. We may disagree with that. Because I think this is more original than Top Gun is. What What's Top Gun getting the awards for? And I just watched that again recently for a second time. And I, I think it's better than I thought it was the first time too. Um, but that being said, I'm still trying to understand what would make that a cameo award worthy and not this. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, talk, let's, I'm in this kick lately. and I feel like every movie, especially new movies lately... And especially, I, I know the one that we're going to pick as the worst of the three tonight. Um, the cinematography, just the way it looks, you know,
1: it, it's it's. I thought it looked pretty cool. I don't know, but like Top Gun, putting like cameras into planes and actually flying around is like. But
0: then why didn't the first one? The first one should have got it in '85.
1: I, I agree. Like I think the shots in okay. the first one. Okay, are really that's cool fair. Too.
0: Okay, I like that. If you could um, agree with that, then I agree. Then it should get it now because you're right. <laughs> I also I, I like, don't even think of it like that. I think of it more of the acting is what I'm thinking of, which honestly wasn't
1: terrible. But I mean, I wouldn't put either Top Gun or the Menu in awards consideration. Um, the, also, I will say the, the, before we move on, one of the things that held me at arm's length from the Menu is that, like, I don't like. I'm not necessarily like a foodie foodie like Nicholas Holt is, but like, I enjoy a good restaurants. Like, do you ever see that documentary, Uh, Jiro Dreams of Sushi? No, I have not. There's this documentary that came out, I feel like, 10 years ago that was big on Netflix, like when Netflix first started streaming. It's all about this. It's a three-star Michelin sushi restaurant that's, like, in the middle of, like, a Japanese train station. Mm-hmm. And it's all about, like, the process. And, like, at the time, it was, like, 300 bucks for, like, a um for a meal and i was like i mean now by the way since that documentary it's probably close to like a thousand dollars and eat like a multiple year away. but i remember like saying to my wife like i would totally pay three hundred dollars for like a one-time experience now i don't know if i'd pay fifteen hundred dollars <laughs> and to bring my wife like i don't know if i have three thousand dollars just laying around but that being that being said i don't think there's something there's anything inherently wrong with enjoying a multiple Michelin star restaurant like these restaurants exist these type of restaurants exist like i mean especially in new york but like you can find great restaurants in chicago like i would never like i don't have the money to go to alinea but i imagine alinea is a similar type of experience of like you pay a lot of money and you're supposed to get real great food to me there's nothing like inherently elitist about it and i think it's okay like you know, someone like the Nicholas Holt character, it's like, go once just to try it. Save up some money. Do you know what I mean? Versus, yeah. and I feel yeah. like th- this movie made that type of experience inherently elitist, therefore inherently punishable. Yeah. Which I just vehemently disagree with.
0: Yeah, well, it, it, it,
1: I definitely uh, see everything
0: that you just said because it's... My my thing is is always especially with a place like this, and I'm watching it. Is I have a problem with my always my eyes are bigger than my stomach. So these portions on these plates at these places oh, yeah, no. are huge, and I'm the guy who like when I look down and when I get my food, I want to imagine that like even when I carry a bag out of a food place for me and my family, and I come home, I want to feel like it's weights. I want to know that I got a lot of food in there. But you know, I understand that that's not that experience. But then again, I, you get a lot of food. I think you got how many, how many was how many um, um courses were there in this thing? Wasn't there like four or five yeah. or six?
1: I definitely agree with the Anya Taylor Joy, like especially at the beginning of the film. It was like, no, you're just you're not serving us food as a pretension for bullshit. Like the not bread thing. It's like, no, give me some fucking bread. No, well, <laughs> like that part, like I mean, there is pretension to go around everywhere, but like
0: I um I mean, I we I can do we can do a whole episode on Ralph Fiends and how much awesome I think he is. And I Rafe. think you Rel Rafe. Yes, Rafe. I, I don't know for years I called him Ralph. No. Well, because his being, name is spelled with a friggin' almond. I know, like, I know. And then I, pretentious D-bag calls himself <laughs> Rafe. So what's his brother, Joseph? I know, right? Um, but that being said, I think, you know, what like when he's in the When she wanted the burger, and just his well, his reactions to a lot of it. When they like clapped, when he clapped his hands, and all everyone in the kitchen got in line. And when she's like, when they asked him a question for something that I liked his mannerisms. Like I'm trying to think of somebody else who might have been able to play it. I'm sure there is. We could mention a lot of people, but he did it really well. I
1: thought. I I have some okay. Since you brought up the burger, I also will say, and I know this is just like me bringing my own baggage into the movie. You can make an awesome Michelin star burger, but you have to prep for that shit. You don't have awesome ground beef just laying around. You don't have awesome buns just laying around unless you're prepping for it. Like, you can make an awesome, like, Wagyu, or, like, um, you take awesome steak, and then you ground it. You don't have fucking awesome just 80, like... Yeah, so you can make a solid burger with, like, regular ground beef you have around, but you can't make a, holy shit, transcend to, like... Transcendent burger with just like the bullshit you have in your restaurant you just can't that so that part I was like he's like I'm gonna make you a burger that's the best burger of all time I was like bro no you're not unless you prep for this shit and you definitely yes, he, didn't prep for it
0: this is the part of the show where now you get to, this is the part of the show where now it's we're gonna start building where this is something where you could definitely call me a weirdo on here we go me personally, I, my very first hamburger that I had was a uh, freshman year in college on a George Foreman grill. Why? Really? Why everyone? Oh, everyone, my dad, everybody, they all like burgers. I am chicken nuggets, man, until this point. And I have a burger on a Foreman grill and it was like, I melted in my, I didn't know what I had been missing. Well, so, yeah, If you've
1: never had a burger for 18 years then it's probably well, yeah. really
0: so <laughs> now you can call me you can call me a burger weirdo and trust me there's a million more f- food weirdo things we'll add to this list as we go on this year but that being said um you're definitely right you can make a burger a lot of different ways pretty good
1: that's just it's a random nip like that's obviously a very specific not like legit criticism of the movie but um again i like that a lot i like i did like the the thriller aspects I did like the premise of it. I thought Fines and Taylor Joey and Holt were were very good. There's a lot of humor. There's a lot of fun to this movie, but there's just some a lot of parts that didn't work, which without giving
0: it away at all. Were you satisfied with the ending?
1: You know what? So I thought like the the film telegraphed its ending, Mm -hmm. but in my mind, I was like, no, it's totally going in a different direction. So when it Telegraphed its own ending and completed what it telegraphed. I was disappointed (laughs) because I was like, I thought you were going to do a twist. (laughs) I I definitely
0: agree. There could (laughs) have been something a little bit more there at the end,
1: which I don't know is like my fault for like expecting it when the movie like overtly told you like how it was going to end.
0: Yeah. So
1: I don't know. Um, Another film that came out in 2022, it is directed by Maria Schrader. A screenplay by Rebecca Linkowitz based upon a book written by Jody Cantor and Megan Tui. Those real life reporters are played in the movie She Said by Zoe Kazan and Carrie Mulligan, respectively. Um, I know you like a good newspaper movie, she said. Uh, I think it's trying to at least trying to be in, in its premise and. Uh, it's like trying to be it is a newspaper movie um i wasn't super thrilled with it what did you think about she said
0: well if if i wish i I wish they had the commentary like on the couch that i kept saying to my wife which she was probably like shut up let me put you this way i've just seen it so many million times it's not that it was bad per se but I'm, I'm saying to her, I've seen this. It's it's like Spotlight. I've seen this. It's like this. I've seen it. It's like this. And it's just like... And then the problem I really have with it is that there is no def- definite ending. Like, they oh, haven't solved anything. I mean, like, it's kind of yes. I, 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 I mean, I disagree with that part, but... But we have... We know it now. But in the story, they're kind of like, bah, 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 bah. She goes off to blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I get that. But that's, if you say, uh, what's that? Uh, I don't know. It's kind of, it, it, I like their performances. Carrie Mulligan, I enjoy. Um, Zoe Kazan, you, I enjoy. Uh, Zoe Kazan, you know why I enjoy Zoe Kazan? Because of this. Because no, 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 no. she dates no, our, no. our guy, Paul Dano.
1: Oh, I was like, why are you playing Cliff from the back? Because I had to. Bed. I wanted to
0: fit in here sometime. And now I actually didn't even plan on this because of her. But I think she does a great job. You know, it's a good, like you said, if you like a newspaper movie, it's, it's, it's for you. I like newspaper movies a lot. I've just seen a lot of them. So maybe I should say if you haven't
1: seen a lot of newspaper movies and you want to try one. So I... I you know like a lot of movies that I personally watch. I ended up especially movies I watch with my wife. We watch them in two parts. You know, an hour a night. Mm-hmm. Um, after the kids go to bed, and after the first hour, I asked my wife, like, what was her reaction? She's like, it's kind of slow and boring, and I think the reason for that is because.
0: All right, Un- all right, all right, all right. I think I think next week I want your wife to come on, and we're gonna. Because honestly, that's what I wanted to say at the beginning. I'm I'm being too
1: nice, and I'm not. You can say nice. what. No one is stopping you from giving your opinion. I don't on want to. Main thing about
0: movies with me at all is I don't want to come across as a jack. But because I've been a jack, I've went on dates with girls. When I got in the car, they were like, "Can you just stop complaining about the movie already?" So I've always been now lately like, "Let's find the positive." But it is your wife is one hundred percent right. No, but, that's my yeah. problem. It's slow and boring. A good newspaper story, like all the president's men, you gotta have a little bit of juice behind it.
1: Yeah, what I was gonna say is like to. Sorry, sorry. I think sorry, like I think it's what I was going to... because I'm gonna expand upon not just like using adjectives, but what I think is the ultimate problem, like difficulty of telling this story, is that with. You're right. There's there's not a propulsion. She said, like there is in Spotlight, and um, fuck the Nixon movie. Uh, All the presidents' men, yeah. fucking name escape me. Which is, I think, the, the gold standard, and it's, it's hard to do those type of movies. Um, and I think the, the the difficulty in telling this story is that very like it's about Harvey Weinstein, if you don't already know, and it's about the New York Times two journalists getting like collecting um evidence for lack of a better word to put a credible harvey weinstein story to tell the atrocities and sexual misconduct and rapes that he's committed over the past basically 20 30 years and with that story there's not a whole lot of mystery that you need to uncover it's just like he's been a piece of shit for a long time and you just needed to talk to one person to know what a piece of shit he is. There's not like this level of like layers you need to uncover like there was with Spotlight and all the president's men. The hurdles that they mainly had to overcome and she said was getting to people to go on the record, which makes for not the most entertaining hurdle as a movie viewer. Um, what did you
0: think of like Ashley Judd in the movie? Playing herself.
1: Yeah, I I mean it's a shame we couldn't get like Rose McGowan and Gwyneth Paltrow. Because like the no, this the story's also like so new too. You know what I mean? It's like
0: well that that I think that's what I meant more at, at the beginning when I said I it wasn't complete. I think it's more it needs to sit a little bit longer for people to to tune in more. I don't know.
1: No, I just I think telling like the whole like the hurdle they had to overcome was trying to get like these people um, to like really tell the the full story. You know, you got the not the actresses, but like the um, the assistants and like the stories you get towards the end of the movie. It's like building towards these stories, which you kind like. The, there's the the specifics are, are are awful, but we already had an hour and a half or an hour prior to that of other women telling stories about how shitty harvey weinstein is that their stories aren't like this major revelation it's just the specifics are are the i don't want to use the word revelation because that sounds inappropriate but the specifics are kind of like that oh shit like really this guy's a scumbag um but again the hurdle of like you you knew that from the get-go so like they there's you you couldn't like trying to push the boulder up the hill when like the boulder's already there. And you just like, it was basically there from the start, and You just needed a few people to go on the record to push it over versus movies like spotlight and all the president's men. You started at the bottom of the hill and rolled it up.
0: Okay. Well, like you got all. Okay. So, you know, one day at some point they may, they probably, I don't, they might have, I don't even know if they have already, but I don't think they have made a movie about Harvey Weinstein, somebody playing him. Mm-hmm. You know, some big actor playing him in the future and rolling the story out like the Wikipedia entry type of movie we talk about. Do you like it told more like that, or do you like it told more like this?
1: So the movie you're talking about, what's that um, Fox with um, John Lithgow as Roger Ailes movie? Um, Yes, which is Bombshell,
0: right? I'm laughing for a second because everything you say, my wife says to me. So like, she's thats what she thought the movie she said was. She thought it was that story, but it's not. It's it's right. But like the, Wiki, yeah, the Wikipedia
1: yeah, no. entry story no, yeah. is basically bombshell. And by the way, like they talk a little bit about Fox News at the at the beginning yeah. of this. Yeah, it's also one of those things where, like.
0: Nobody really wants to watch a Harvey Weinstein Wikipedia entry. Let's let's be honest. I, know, that's I don't true. even it's, know why I, I don't even know why I said that. Yeah, that would be that's, uh that's nobody true. wants it, to relive that. No actress would want
1: to sign up for that. Have you seen
0: subjugate
1: that this Julia Gardner movie called The Assistant? Yes. That's a way to tell the Harvey. It's like not overtly a Harvey Weinstein case, yeah. But that's a way to tell the quote-unquote Harvey Weinstein story. In a way that's both like I don't want to say entertaining because it's not enter. You don't know I mean like well, yeah. The, it's hard to say that, and it's hard. I don't, to say I don't want it. to. Say, I don't want to say sexual abuse is entertaining, but it, a, it's in, more in, of in a, like I, it's eye.
0: I, it's eye opening, and you're 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 trying to learn in a about way that's abuse, at least more
1: enter enter um more watchable. If that makes more sense more like you're at least more into the story than i was with both she said and bombshell um the the dude from succession at the end of the assistant gives like this great speech and i'm like oh dude, like it was just five do you remember that yeah oh yeah i was like uh matthew mcfaden's character and in the assistant i'm like oh shit you <laughs> fuck you but like I'm just so enthralled by that versus something like she said or bombshell, where it's just kind of like also, like she said, does this thing where it tries to show you these like um, microaggressions against women. Like, with you know, Carrie Mulligan's character early on gets a phone call where like she gets a death threat, and you know, they're all sitting at a public table, them and Patricia Clarkson, and the dude comes and hits on her. Where it's like, you ever see JFK? uh, I didn't, but like, just to finish my point. Yeah, no. I, no. I just, it's like, I get that women go through so much, like, shit. Like, if men were doing this reporter stuff, they wouldn't get nearly as much shit as these female reporters do. Well, oh,
0: no. well, that's part of the story. But I think,
1: like, overtly saying it isn't as good of a point as you think it is. I, I don't know.
0: I think it's not as entertaining of a point, really. it's not. They could have
1: done it more subtly, I think. I. I say that, that as a, a cis white man.
0: Well, that's what that's why I was bringing up JFK. was like, there's more. You're not really, JFK isn't really in the movie. It's not really about JFK. The movie's called JFK. They could have made it more. It would, they would have been better off calling the movie Weinstein. Never showing Weinstein. But like really, really getting like more close and more in depth and it being more. Because it was like boring. Like your wife, it was boring. And spotlight isn't boring, but that the post is kind of boring. So it's like
1: somewhere in between that. It's also like it doesn't help that, like, I'm super familiar with the Harvey Weinstein stuff. Like, I was pretty like it was not a secret that Harvey Weinstein was a piece of shit before you know, basically before 2016 when Trump gets elected, right? Like, that's Mm -hmm. the impetus of like. The New York, at least in the movie, the impetus of why the New York Times is digging deep into Weinstein, Um, but like it wasn't a hidden secret. Do you know what I mean? It was pretty well known. (laughs) So like, and and then when the story came out, it was pretty well known. And also, by the way, they talk about it in the movie. I didn't actually know that there was necessarily a New York Times story. I knew the story blew up because of Ronan Farrow in the New Yorker. so but, like when they bring up Ronan Farrell, I'm like, the, "Man, I feel like Ronan Farrow got a little bit screwed with this. He did he not write a book? Could he not have well, um, that, sold his his movie rights? Well, that's what curious is when they make like was the New York Times? I mean, I, I say this like I probably should have looked it up. I thought the New York, I thought the New Yorker was the one who broke the story, not the New York Times. So that's if a good. good no, I don't like, know if that's yeah. true or not, but if it is true. It's like <laughs> That's kind of just another like F you to she said, like painting this like you're the only one and the New- the New Yorker was on your tails. Um, that's, it, it's a nitpick for the, I think it, for the movie of like, I just think it doesn't work as a newspaper movie because of the subject matter and because of the obstacles that the reporters are trying to overcome.
0: I'm trying really quickly off the top of my brain. I know I won't be able to do it, but I know that there are movies that like look, Multiple. Okay, so okay, here's a good point. You got Capote, right? And then you had that other movie that came out. What was it that the other guy played uh, in True Blood? Yeah, something. Yes, yeah, something it was like that. something
1: it's, like that. It's, it's the it's the title of Capote's book.
0: Yeah, that in Cold Blood. That, that those two movies came out at the same time, and two different people playing Capote one of those will got a little bit a lot more praise than the other I wonder if they'll do another story like this but the other one will have a lot more work put into it I'm not saying this movie didn't have a lot of work put into it but it sounded looked like a lot of first shots like and action and cut like they didn't do like two or three or four or five it was like one or two shots put it all together called she I could be that could be just me being ignorant but
1: I don't know like I don't I also don't like necessarily need a Weinstein movie to exist to begin with especially considering yeah. the the Weinstein and Rose McGowan stuff started the me too movement which is very much public record and something that I'm like personally very familiar with maybe there aren't people but I mean
0: what do you like when I said earlier that like, oh, and where I made the mistake about saying that there should be a Weinstein movie because then I'm thinking, what's in this movie? Him doing the creepy stuff,
1: I don't want to yeah. watch that, so right. it's like <clears throat> that's what I mean. It's yeah, I mean, definitely don't want to watch that. Maybe this movie would have been better like in 20 years where it's gone out of the consciousness, and if it's still somewhat relevant, I don't when know.
0: One of my favorite, and this is why, I, you know, but this topic is a lot different, but like one of my favorite made for TV movies ever is that Madoff where De Niro plays Madoff on HBO. It's so ridiculous and over the top, like, but like, it's another Wikipedia entry, but you're watching like somebody like De Niro, like when Pacino played uh, Phil Spector. And you're like, this is, or Doc, he played Dr. Death, Dr. Kavorki. and you're
1: like. I feel like Al Pacino did like five of these types of movies. He did.
0: And they're so, I call them bad good. They're like so bad that they're good. Because you're thinking to yourself, come on Pacino, man. You were in Godfather, but. Yeah, I don't know. If you like newspaper movies, I think you should check it out. If you don't like newspaper movies, I don't think you should check it out.
1: i should say if you want to check it out it's it's streaming on peacock um i don't know if we mentioned that before but eh, i you know like i think maybe carrie mulligan is gonna get an oscar nomination for best supporting actress but other than that i don't know how much award buzz this movie is gonna get and i'm it this feels like the type of movie where if it's not getting awards buzz And you don't want to see it, I don't know that you there's a compelling reason to convince you to see it, unless like you're super big Mulligan or Zoe Kazan fan.
0: That is absolutely definitely true.
1: I mean it's it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination, and I just don't think it's good. And if your time is valuable, I, I think there's other movies you could I mean, definitely would recommend the menu over she said
0: there's a lot more it, it was definitely a lot especially if you're did you watch
1: the menu by yourself yeah do you think that would be something your wife would like i don't know she gets i don't understand she claims she doesn't like violence but i'll watch the boys with her which is like one of the most violent things i've ever watched so I, it's her <laughs> that's fair that's a fair point i don't know she's i i I honestly, I've been with my wife for like 15 years and I still don't know her movie tastes. It's so like,
0: (laughs) I get like this vision in my head that like, I've pretty much made my wife like pretty much like a hostage down on a chair. And now she's like, I'll watch whatever you want, because if I don't, well, I'll disappoint you. So like, you know, I definitely though every your wife is about every other wife that I have friends that I know. So I definitely understand. I'm sure she didn't watch this next movie we're going to talk about.
1: No, she definitely did not watch white noise, uh, written and directed by Noah Baumbach based on a book of the same name by Don DeLillo. I've heard it's an incredible book. Uh, if you really want to, you can see this movie, uh, on Netflix. It stars Adam driver and Greta Gerwig with, um, a supporting performance by Don Cheadle. Uh, I'm gonna go first since you went first pass a couple of times. Sounds good. I have absolutely no idea why. Bomb. Let me put it this way: this might be a great book, and I'm sure Noah Bombach loves this book. I don't know what he's Noah Bombach is trying to say with White Noise. From what I gather, there's a purpose to the book about like Reagan capitalism that it is trying to make a commentary on that I found to be absolutely devoid of any sort of commentary and white noise. Therefore you're kind of left with this story about like this um, toxic event cloud and dealing with this family. And also there's some infidelity and none of it is that engaging or enthralling or propulsive or like feels like it's worthy of your time to watch that. It feels like there's just an emptiness to this movie that, I don't understand why Noah Bombach felt like this was his masterpiece. Movie sucked.
0: It was bad. Um, but that being said, back to my cinematography, I mean, it looked... This is everything that I've heard. It looks great, which it does. Um, it looks great, which it does. And that's just about... I mean, Driver's performance, it's somewhere between... And I love the ridiculous, but it's somewhere between almost like too ridiculous, which I don't know if I've ever said that on this show before. It's somewhere where it's almost like he's, you know, he's acting, which is not what you want from your actor. It's,
1: it's bad. I will say that the makeup of driver is absolutely incredible. Like oh, yeah. I like, I'm looking at the, the famous stealth. like him in the foreground and Greta Gerwig and his family in the background. And I was like, that's not Adam driver. And like, even like, watch him on screen. It's like, like the subtle things that they did to Adam Driver to make him not look like Adam Driver is, I think, great. And that's like basically the only good thing. That and the LCD sound system music video at the very end are like the only good thing about this movie.
0: All right. Well, you, I'm going to say something right now that you're not even going to even imagine that I'm going to come out of left field for. This kind of reminds me a lot of like in Dewey Cox. This movie to Noah Bombach's career reminds me of like when he's got that big orchestra. And he's like playing, and everyone's like, Wow, oh, he's, yeah. really, he's really getting out of hand here, and I don't really know what he's going for.
1: Like late that, stage Dewey Cox. Yes,
0: this this script was was god awful. Adam, we could write a script this weekend, and I guarantee if they just gave us a chance and looked at it compared to the script with the book, I know we could do better. I don't from know what what I,
1: from what I from what I understand, like Bombach lifted like passages from The book, and for the most part, is pretty faithful to the book, which makes me think of like, is this actually a good book? I don't, I don't get it.
0: It reminds me a lot of when somebody says something's like really good, but you you know, it, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I could bring up movies that I find like that have been nominated, like uh, if the artist, do you find that to be one of your great movie that won Best Picture? I mean, it's a good movie, but should it have won Best Picture? No, it's not I as mean, good
1: as I don't know. I mean, that's a movie I feel like got a lot of criticism at the time, and also but, in in the awards people's defense, I don't think White Noise is going to get any nominations. So I
0: sure hope not. But like you said, you know, in a down year, no, Baumbach, They've given it to him the last. You don't give somebody Marriage Story, and then you don't like acknowledge this movie for something, but I wouldn't. Not that saying he deserves anything. Um, I will say I wish the movie was called... It would have been cooler if this was the movie, but it was almost like I wish Don it, the movie was about Don Cheadle and Don Cheadle's character. Because he was in, he barely in the movie, but when he was in the movie, I liked the way he acted more than I liked the way Driver acted. I didn't like Driver. The whole college of what he was teaching, I thought was stupid,
1: but I think so. He's like a professor of Hitler studies, yes. and I think the book probably makes some profound point that that's a dumb thing to be a super famous professor about. Yeah, it if that's true, and I don't know if it is, it in no way came across in the movie. Well, I think it's I think it's supposed to be silly, but it's like that uh, to me. Like, well, the Wes Anderson makes silly movies fun,
0: fun. like silly fun i even think you just brought it up right there maybe a little wes anderson zaniness
1: but i also don't care for wes anderson films
0: yeah but like but like you also know that like how do i say it like you there's probably restaurants that you could admit that are good you just don't like it or bands that are good that you just don't like them you know what i'm saying? honestly that's
1: how i felt about marriage story i get why people liked it i just wasn't a fan
0: now, and you know me, I've talked about um, Reservation Road and how I love uh, Virginia Woolf and those type of movies. I wasn't a huge fan of that movie the most either. But then again, I had only watched it once, maybe a rewatch. I do love a lot The Squid and the Whale. We've talked about that before. Yeah, I,
1: I absolutely adore The Squid and the Whale. Um, but to no, I've honest, sat the only-
0: down recently and watched within the last couple of years that movie he did with Ben Stiller. It was called Greenberg. And that movie is like a two-hour meandering fest. And that's what this kind of yeah, reminds I mean, me of. That's more. what I think about
1: normally, though, no Bombac story. You know,
0: but like the, the the whale was a pretty good... It wasn't meandering. This movie is like... Did you see the whale? Uh Oh, not the whale. I'm saying the whale and squid and the whale. I keep saying oh. the whale. The squid and the whale. So
1: um, I, I still need to see the whale.
0: Yeah, I do. I also need to see the whale too. But no, I have not seen the whale yet. But the reason I haven't seen the whale personally is because, well, I could put this story together. I know what happens. It's you're watching it
1: for his performance on screen, which is going
0: to be incredible.
1: but at least with the squid and the whale, like it, to me, the squid and the whale has something to say in a way that white noise. If it has something to say, it tells it story extremely. What's it, what's it trying
0: to, let's try to break down real quick. What's it trying to say? Is there a, The chemicals coming out of that thing—is that trying to say we got chemical? Like,
1: there's something to do with like you know they spend a lot of time in the grocery store and we're served up something in a neat little package of garbage that isn't really the greatest for you, and that's sort of like what our society has become. And then what happens when that escapes? We're led into chaos. I think with the toxic events. But then you got the whole
0: side story where what's with her infidelity. name? Fidelity. yeah. With which was really ridiculous. That yeah. was that was where the movie really started. Like he's like going after that guy. Um, it really trailed know. off at the end. But as you stated earlier, it did pick up in the last five minutes. I feel. And that. Listen, in that Super it's movie. It's
1: got a great ending. Like if it deserves any Oscar, it's best original song and best like makeup.
0: It, that and honestly he uh James Murphy the LCD sound system guy he's done the last couple Noah bombback movies like I know he did that Greenberg um so that ending though was worth it the movie itself as a whole you got Netflix I guess you could press play but I don't yeah. know it was definitely not worth my problem was is I try to start it twice. In the first fifteen minutes, I didn't get into it, but then I started blaming other things. And then the third time, I'm like, I, I know this just isn't good, and I just watched the whole
1: thing. It's, it's. I think it's going to be very telling when Netflix doesn't have a single film that produced nominated for best picture.
0: You don't think Spider? And, you don't think it's Spiderhead? Is, does it connect? No, it's not. I that. think
1: Bardo is the leading contender. <laughs>
0: I'd honestly and really quick here because I know you said you didn't sit through that I I' I ripped the band-aid off and I actually went white noise and Bardo back to back Ugh. and boy um, I will tell you though because of the way Bardo looks and because like you said it's so indulgent I don't know it looked there was some really awesome camera shots but again, it was exactly what it was exactly a self indulgent mess is what I thought it was. But I do know that people enjoyed it and people enjoy his work. I enjoyed his last couple movies. This movie I did not. Yeah, That's really I, quick little review. And here. also
1: in my defense, I, I don't, I haven't enjoyed a single Inuritu film. I have seen his last three. I still
0: the- don't under okay. Really, just a really quick. Why, why Birdman?
1: Real quick, two seconds. Birdman. I mean you don't want to talk about self indulgent messes it's that's fun Edward Norton's ridiculous if maybe if he had told that story without like the without the cameras without the gimm- without the camera gimmick it would have been okay. interesting so You're
0: not a huge fan so you're not a huge fan of like the over the top never really ever done before I love anything. shots
1: man and I just hate it when Indy Ritu does it
0: That's I mean and I could see some of that same stuff in the Revenant
1: There's but. like there's some good stuff in Burn Man but, like, I also, you know what probably doesn't help either is that um, I think the Academy calling it best picture, best director, I just think is like, fuck that. Where it, there are so many better, like, if Keaton, like, and by the way, if you're going to nominate, like, give some of the win, should have given it to Keaton as yeah. opposed to Eddie Redmayne for his dumb performance. Oh, I'm in a wheelchair. Look at me. Very <laughs> bullshit. Like, Keaton was, Keaton was great. And I do like the acting, and Norton, I think, was was great in it. But I just think overall as a film, it just didn't work, and it didn't work in large part because it was a dumb gimmick that I just thought brought everything down with it.
0: And did you think that was worse than The Revenant?
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I saw Revenant in the theater, and holy shit, that was such a slog to get through. (laughs) I
0: could imagine. I did not see it in the theater. And Babel
1: just had a, a, a silly story.
0: That's one honestly I've never seen. Um and, yeah I've never free. I because honestly I think it was one when it came out I just didn't
1: I think that was nominated for best picture in the same year as The Departed which is like good reason why you would give The Departed the win.
0: Well, you know, um just a little bit of an insight into next week. You will um I I've had an eye-opening experience, my friend, and next week we're going to talk about it and share it and that's about Moneyball. I was wrong. I was really, yeah, you bored. Are. I was call me a, call me another, call me a, call, I have, I have sinned my friend and my friend over the, the break I sat down quietly and I watched that movie and I then watched it again with my wife. My wife was tearing up goosebumps. My friend, you're definitely right. It's more realistic than the natural, but that being said, you know, I just like the natural's fun ability, but money ball, Amazing movie, and we'll talk more about it next week. Give me cool. some
1: Moneyball. Anyway, that's our discussion on White Noise.
0: <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Um, what are we doing now?
1: Let's talk about our favorite musical moments in Tarantino films. Ooh, here we go. Do you have a clip? Mm, yes, I do. Let us
0: get this. All right. Tarantino's music. Oh, I've got a list here of 11 ones that I know we've never talked about on this show. I went
1: through. I what I here's what I did. I okay, went through. You it, what'd you do? I went through each of his movies and I picked my favorite um, uh, uh, musical moment in each of those films. Okay. Except for I couldn't find one from Volume Two in the Hateful Eight. But. Yeah. No. I didn't. I didn't. I
0: I just picked eleven. I just picked 11 random ones. So when you talk about the movie, I'll say, if you don't
1: say it, I'll say mine. So the first one is, I mean, Love... um, It's a little brown bag in the beginning. Oh, yeah. I I think it's hard to go wrong with uh, using Steeler Wheels stuck in the middle with you while Michael Madsen's cutting off the cop's ear. I mean, it's... I think I talked about my favorite 90s scene and that was on it. It's such a great scene. It's the perfect representation of tarantino of this song shouldn't work considering how heinous and violent this action is but because madsen is uh mr blind is such a psychopath and he's having so much fun with it to have him dancing around with the the knife um and to have that song playing is i just think like classic tarantino i mean reservoir
0: dogs i got three songs here that i picked um from reservoir dogs i've got at the beginning when they're driving to the warehouse uh pink and mr white um the song called i gotcha by joe text that's really good um hooked on a feeling by blue suede when um orange goes and picks up um eddie uh nice guy eddie and the closing credits is probably my favorite besides the scene that you said. And that's when they play Coconut and the way the way mo- I love the way the movie ends um, because I don't think it ends like a normal movie ends. It kind of like the way it goes black and the way you hear the guns, you don't really see how it kind of ends. And then the song just kicks in. But the lime and the coconut yeah. get and the whole on. movie the whole movie with Stephen um Weber playing that's Stephen, Stephen Wright. Wright, Stephen Wright playing the um, who's an amazing comedian, playing the um, the DJ with the songs. Now, that's a cool idea that I think is like, like in you, like the Birdman idea, but actually like worked into the script where you got someone the whole movie is like a a uh, the radio DJ. I thought that was a genius idea.
1: Well, speaking of radio DJs, Tarantino used the uh... That's a smart effect uh, opening credits of Pulp Fiction. Uh, But to me, that was not my choice. Pulp Fiction's got a lot of great musical moments. I chose uh, Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon, where after um, Travolta and Uma Thurman's character go back to her place uh, after the dinner... um, Mia just says, hey, go fresh. Or no, I think Travolta, he goes to the bathroom to psych himself up because he's like, you can't fuck her. You just got to be pleasant and go home. <laughs> Versus uh, Mia it's like, yeah, I'm just going to dance. And I'm going to party a little. Puts on the song. The girl, you'll be a woman. Soon. Now, now,
0: some, some quick uh, music trivia here, really quick. Number one, the band who sings that song, Urge Overkill, they're from Chicago. But do you know who originally sang that song?
1: Is it Neil Diamond?
0: You got it. Mr. Saving Silverman himself, Neil Diamond.
1: By the way, um, Neil Diamond's going to come up a bunch. Like I feel like Tarantino loves Neil Diamond. Well, that's... He, a lot of these songs,
0: and before I picked a uh, couple from Pulp Fiction, I want to ask you really quick, because when we do our... Uh, do you think... Do you like, personally, what soundtrack do you enjoy more? Pulp Fiction or uh, Forrest Gump from 94? Which is... Oh, um...
1: Forrest Gump.
0: You like Forrest Gump? I was always curious about that.
1: I mean, it's I love the... the, the Well, Forrest for Gump, time.
0: honestly, Forrest Gump is two double discs. It's got 50 songs. Oh, this geez. has got 14 tracks, but only eight of them are songs, and the rest are like interludes. So like, you get so much more with Forrest Gump. But also,
1: the reason I love the Forrest Gump soundtrack more is that it changed moviegoers' perception of the music of an era versus like you know ccr was not like a huge song it was not a huge vietnam song dusty springfield was like not a huge like they weren't necessarily were like no but they weren't considered like the, they didn't have number one hits do you know I mean but like because of forrest gump we now associate like if that song is going to come up in a war movie or going to come up to show this decade and like we think it's cliche it's because of forrest gump yeah that's interesting I just think that they're like it's it, for some reason people tend to use that as a knock against Forrest Gump. And like if you don't like Forrest Gump then like fine that's one thing, but it's not because of the music. It's actually the other way around. Forrest Gump created the music for it to become cliché for you to think that Forrest Gump is using cliché music. That's true. Never thought of it that way. Very very interesting. And it's not a knock against Pulp Fiction. Like Pulp Fiction, it's—I mean, Tarantino obviously knows how to use a song in the the music in Pulp Fiction. Like everything with it is incredible. Um, and honestly, I mean, I could have picked. Let, let me
0: put you this way: If Pulp Fiction was a double disc album, and the other disc was the Reservoir Dog soundtrack, would you say would you still pick hmm. Forrest Gump over? The reason I still... I'm trying to say is like is material the re is that in any way like the material because there's so much good stuff. Not that there's not a lot of good stuff on Tarantino's, there's just not a whole lot of it compared to Forrest Gump.
1: The the reason I'm still picking Forrest Gump is to me the material like works well within the context of Tarantino's films mm-hmm. versus I think Forrest Gump has kind of expanded on it feels like an era. Like I don't necessarily Here, like, um, for what it's worth, you know. For example, Mm. like, I can't remember what scene it's used in Forrest Gump, but to me, it just evokes Forrest Gump. Versus, if I hear "Stuck in the Middle" with you, or if I hear um, "You Never Can Tell," like, I can think of the very specific scene in the Tarantino movie.
0: That's that's absolutely um, that's absolutely true. The song that I picked from A Pulp Fiction was right before. She, uh, right before, I think it's right before the girl, uh, you'll be a woman soon. And it's a son of a preacher, man. When Vince actually meets Mia right before that, that's the song that's playing. And, um, but the whole movie, like you said, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of good songs in Pulp Fiction.
1: I mean, Miser Lou in the beginning, like I said, Chuck Berry's, you never can tell for the iconic dancing, where if you can freshen this on YouTube, you can see the, um, still of that on the screen um to me i also like tarantino is one of the things that makes him a great director is his ability to build up tension like to get out of the eye of the storm Mm -hmm. and to me that's emblematic of the girl you'll be a woman soon where you think like it's kind of nothing like whatever me is just chilling and you know um Travolta's character is just kind of, you know, it's kind of interesting, but it's all leading up to this moment where she takes his drugs and snorts it and starts to OD. Where it's just it's building to this moment. They're like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. <laughs> um, that just, I, I no, know.
0: I know you're absolutely right. That's a, that, you know, it, it's it's iconic. No much more saying it. Right. What do you got for Jackie Brown?
1: Um, it's a song that I think the characters talk about within the film, and it's uh, Bobby Womack's Across uh, 110th Street.
0: Yeah, that's actually it's, what's playing in the opening when she's yeah. walking across the, oh, yeah.
1: It's it, it, it It's playing on the opening credits, but when Robert Forrester's character meets, really first meets uh, Jackie Brown, Pam Greer's character, Almost positive that's the song that. You're talking about the of. tape
0: that he wants her to buy.
1: No, that 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 he does end up buying because of her. Was that uh,
0: not- no that because th- that's didn't I blow your mind? Oh uh, no phonics, because that's okay. the other one I got. Those are my two. Okay, um, but uh, he might bring up across hundred. It's been a it's been a little while since I, I, I know, know it's I saw ago. it on
1: YouTube. I know it's the opening. I know scene. that
0: across at hundred and ten Street is besides that scene is like the song that. I think of when I think of Jackie Brown right. overall. It's it's such an iconic uh it's a good song, good pick. Did you, you have any was, more going No, that was them? by those were actually my two, the uh across 110th Street and Didn't I Blow Your Mind by the Delphonics. Yeah.
1: All right. His fourth film. Uh I'm just I recently watched volume one and volume two for Tarantino Rankings. I cannot for the life of me think of a song in volume two, but in volume one, there's a lot of outside of the RZA score, which is like, honestly, you can probably choose that. The uh one I am choosing is right before I, I thought it was during the battle of um the bride versus the crazy 88s. It turns out it's right before. um But like when they're in the restaurant, the five, six, seven, eights are, are playing and it's a, let <clears throat> me clear my throat. Excuse me. Hold on. <laughs> Oh, man. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Yes, that song is... That song is...
1: (laughs) It is officially credited as "Woohoo." That
0: was... That that is a good... That whole... Because, honestly, I don't think of that soundtrack the same way I think of, like, Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. I think of it more as, like, the RZA stuff, that song.
1: It might be my favorite Tarantino score, (laughs) because...
0: well let's be honest it's the other ones are are dated for the time in which they're doing the movies like this is this but also tarantino
1: doesn't he uses so much diegetic and pop culture music that um that tends to be the score for many of his films um so to have like you wouldn't think the rizzo would be like the perfect choice to do no. a Tarantino movie, but no. Apparently, the RZA also loves kung fu movies. Um, it's Tarantino's riff on kung fu movies, and I, I, I think RZA's score throughout the entire film is 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 really good. Um, but if we're just making one particular song, I love that. Uh, I think I, I like it more for just like it's like a great workout song. It's a great song to, to hype yourself up. Yeah. Uh, but Definitely. then, like when I watched the film again, I was like, oh, I thought that song was playing during the fight. Cause it actually would be a, a fun song to play during another fight, but it, it stops right before.
0: Yeah. I mean, my pick was just, just the like you said, the score in general. I mean, it really, for when I first saw it, it really, I think it really solidified how good I enjoyed the movie. And as I brought up before, when we were going through the rankings, it really helped when my wife was giving birth as it played on the TV. <laughs> um But that being said, it's, it, it's,
1: Riza did a great job. Set the peak to the scenes really well. I mean, also, this movie has another example of just like an incredible um, opening, a song for the opening credits of uh, Nancy Sinatra's um, Bang Bang. Oh, that's right.
0: That's that's my pick. Because I actually <laughs> got that still on my iPad iPod from 2003, from like the year it came out. Bang Bang. That's a good song. That That is a good song.
1: I mean, not only is it a little bit on the nose about literally she shot my baby down, but like that whole vibe of that song, like the, the slow roll of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's, I mean, Tarantino's so good at this, putting music to, to visuals, man.
0: Are we going?
1: Yeah, there? I don't if you have something for Volume Two, let me know. I,
0: no, I don't have anything. I was just doing the score yeah. in general, and I I'm glad you brought up. You actually, I'm glad you brought up Bang Bang. I would have been upset if I got off and saw that that was on there, and I did. We didn't say Bang Bang, so that was yeah. a, good, that's a good one.
1: Um, next up is Death Proof. To me, there's only one choice because, like, again, they literally talk about the song like in the middle of it, and it's right before the first car crash. It's um, Hold Tight by Davy D Dozy Deky, Beak and Tish, and they're talking about how um, what's his face from The Who should have joined. Yeah, I was like, okay, you, you pretentious fuck. No, he should not. Pete Townsend should not have joined <laughs> this random band. That's <laughs> it's a bad take, but like, it's 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 pretty obvious, you know, Tarantino inputting his own pop culture knowledge into his own script. Um, it's a little known, you know, indie bullshit song not not indie per se but like not as well known cult song but you know it fits pretty well within the the movie and even though death proof there's a lot of it that doesn't work I did rewatch this scene on YouTube and uh it it works quite well with the with the scene
0: I like uh in the movie there's a couple songs that I really like um the one that I'm going to pick though is uh there's a song by this guy named T-Rex called Jeepster and it's in the kind of like in the middle of the movie when um they're taking off in the car that's a movie that honestly out of all of his movies i have to like i that one's not like stone cold in my memory of like yeah, lots it's... of scenes um with the music i don't know why i think it was just because I, that was one that that one didn't get me the first time i saw it um but um and it's like hard to find it is You know, and uh, you know, and I know when they released it, um, after they busted the two up. You know, you know, I know why they did that because you know no one wanted, you know, but they should have kept it together with the trailers because I don't even think when you bought those movies you could get those fake trailers
1: on those those. That's dumb. The career was like one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah,
0: it is the best. You know, it is the best part. But also like.
1: This is just my my problem with so many other directors. It's it's 2023, even if it's like a lesser known film, put like everyone's directors stuff like on streaming or something. Like it's so, still a Tarantino movie,
0: and you're not wrong. I saw you uh, the other day talk about where the hell's all the Ridley Scott stuff. Oh my god! I'm I mean, such where, hard where's the stuff? You know, you should not it should not be hard to find a lot of these movies. You should be able to watch it. To find it, but it's tough. It's tough. I hate it. All right. Well, we got, we got, oh, that's right. We got, uh, oh, we bastards. Bastards. I you think me, we may pick the yeah. same one. Let's see. Cat, David Bowie, yes. Cat people. Yes. I can talk about cat we people.
1: Arise blue.
0: Which is, uh, every, they play that on 93.1 XRT sometimes. And all I think about is the scene from um bastards because i had never you know me i you know i like music and i i'd listen to bowie and i had bowie cds at that point but that song i had that was the movie that actually introduced me to that song and i don't know if you know but there's a a movie from 1982 that paul schrader directed i think it was called cat people and that's actually in that movie too but uh bowie bowie had it in that movie he i think he was that's only off the top of my head do you think of any other musical scenes in that movie?
1: Yeah, that's also the thing is that because of the period it's set in, it, it doesn't really lend itself to a whole no. lot of like pop music. But yeah. um, it's still, I mean, it's a good scene in a movie with a bunch of good scenes. The montage of uh, Shoshana getting ready for the big nights. and also it's um, you see her and her boyfriend like putting together their plan to burn the theater down. I mean, it's honestly, it's it's a great scene in general, but also, yeah, it's the pretty obvious pick for Inglorious Bastards.
0: I'm curious to see where you're going with
1: Django. I wonder if we'll probably
0: have the same one.
1: So, I am going with the very first song technically written for a Tarantino film, oh. and that is Rick Ross's "A Hundred Black Coffins."
0: Nice, nice. Did not see that one coming. Nice.
1: It's uh I think I like the song more than it's use in the movie because it's pretty briefly like used in the movie just for like a montage of like people walking, but I like that Rick Ross song hundred black coffins! Black coffins. (laughs) I also there's there's something that just was like weird to me of like the first artist to get an original song in a Tarantino movie is Rick Ross. Like it feels like it should be a little bit more momentous. Like it should be someone like David Bowie or like the Beatles or like Paul McCartney's like, Hey, I love mm. your work. Let me write a song. Mm. But it's like Rick Ross, like, man, I hear you're doing a slave movie. I gotta get on that. And basically that's what it was. Like Rick Ross was like, Oh man, you're doing like a, a slave telling, created the song, and then eventually like forced his way to Tarantino. Tarantino's like, I love it. Normally I don't do this. But i put it in my movie, and Rockers was like, "Yeah, buddy,"
0: <laughs> you know. And I, I had to look it up here so I didn't uh, confuse myself. But I mean, maybe he picked him because he's, you know, uh, one of the owners of Wingstop. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I don't know, you know. But that being said, my my favorite and probably I'll, get, I'll put
1: your your song in my movie. But also, I need free wings for life.
0: You don't know if I was Tarantino how much I'd say. And you'd be like, and you probably who I would have as my, you know, as my confidante or lawyer would be like, don't do that, you idiot. They're just wings. We could buy more wings with that. But uh, that being said, one of my favorite probably all musical montages in all of his movies is the final montage. And Well, it's not the final because as you, we stated on the thing, you're right. It does meander a little bit. But that whole shootout.
1: The first uh, shootout with um... –
0: where they're all on the stairs. First,
1: Waltz starts. No, out.
0: the one where it's at the end. Well, after after they kill Leo and it just goes all nuts. Yeah, and um, it's uh Freedom is the song that is playing, and it's actually the first song that was played at Woodstock, um, back in sixty eight. Um, and was, Richie Havens was. is the guy who sings it.
1: I was like, I don't remember George Michael being in. No,
0: Daniel no, or, I, I. That's a good, another good song though. It, <laughs> Now you're gonna have me. I'm gonna be laying in bed tonight, thinking of Michael getting freedom. But at 68 Woodstock, which is which would be amazing. But the way I think, how he was able to film the staircase, the shells, the blood, everyone falling all over the place, and just that song is like in the theater. Song was just like blast. Like when I say blasting, like I I don't. It was like I was at a concert. Definitely a my favorite experience right there
1: but that's more for yeah i can also not think of an original song for the hateful eight it's a movie i didn't really want to revisit and i know tarantino loves the morricone score that's used through it uh, but that's i didn't really want to do much research because again i had such an unenjoyable time watching it when i 1st rewatched it i didn't really want to do it again um, so if there's a, if there's a, if there's a musical moment in it, uh, let us know in our comments. But
0: yeah, I'm pretty sure it's all like you just said. It's all there is no you know David Bowie doing Fame in the middle of it or something crazy or or outlandish. I think it's pretty, you know. Yeah, I, but I at some point in my life in the next thirty years I will revisit. Maybe I'll be an older man on a couch and I just need to sit and watch something and I'll watch
1: it again. You know, and just like when I forced my son in like ten years to just watch every Tarantino movie. Yeah. That's 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 what's that's
0: what's worrisome about me is like when my daughter's old enough. And trust me, not not in the old enough like my father, where she'll be twelve or thirteen. <laughs> when well, my daughter's three, one, I, I'm going to show her pulp Fiction. I do. I well, number one. I do feel like it would be very awkward me being a father sitting with my thirteen-year-old daughter playing Pulp Fiction, and then she goes to work telling—I mean, not work, school—telling people. Um, Guys, you are you familiar son, with You might, you know, you and your son—you might, you know—it might be a little bit easier to sneak one in here or there on that type of stuff. But uh, once upon a time, um, what did you pick?
1: Another Neil Diamond song. Um, what a pretentious fucking title this song is. Brother loves traveling salvation show. <laughs> Which I, I mean, I hate the title, but it's, um, it's a song that kind of plays throughout the entire film. You mainly hear it where Margaret Qualley is giving Brad Pitt's character a ride and they're just kind of chilling um, when they're like driving a oh no, Brad Pitt gives Qualley's character a ride. Um, but where they're just, uh, when he's driving her to the, the, the ranch, it's a song playing and it, and it pops up throughout the film. And also, I feel like for a film that's like relatively set in modern times, you know, more so than like uh, Hateful Eight and Bastards, I, this is weirdly a film where the music doesn't stand out to me a whole lot.
0: Well, Tarantino's main thing. And it's his main thing that he does. It's since Pulp Fiction, since Reservoir Dogs. Because honestly, you could turn on the radio now and you'll hear "Stuck in the Middle" with you. But until that song blew up when he made the movie, it what people knew the song. It just but, it became
1: a thing because of Tarantino. Yeah, just like you
0: said about the Forrest Gump songs. Yeah. So like, but like in this movie, I went with it's an iconic song, but not no one will ever
1: talk about Mrs. Robinson because of.
0: Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but... I mean, if you're
1: going to tie Mrs. Robinson to a movie, it's The Graduate. Well,
0: that's what I'm saying. Today, I've decided to go outside of the box and pick it for this, because when Cliff sees the Manson family, but you got Mrs. Robinson playing, it's a real juxtaposition to what you know... Is is that when they
1: get to Spun Ranch?
0: Yeah, it's when he... Cliff is driving, and he passes the Manson family, and they're walking, and it's kind of like a knot, like... Like the whole movie, they're coming and they're going pretty much. When he goes to that ranch, though, that part is—I gotta watch that movie again too. That movie—it's been a while since I watched. That's, that,
1: that. I'm pretty sure that movie's not friggin' streaming.
0: Uh, no, and it and it it should be. Um, I also picked "Hush" by Deep Purple when Roman and Sharon go to the Playboy Mansion. Um, but you're right; there isn't like—is musical... that the
1: song playing over the Damien Lewis stuff?
0: Yes. Um, you can say though, there definitely isn't a musical moment. I don't believe that is like akin to some of those earlier things.
1: Yeah. It definitely doesn't like have the same iconography as like Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs, despite people's love of the movie. I'm pretty sure we ranked it third in our rankings. That's true. And, you know, I, I think it, it is one of Tarantino's masterpieces, and for so much of that film that feels like tarantino it's lack of obvious musical moments in retrospect you don't i don't really notice it while watching it but in retrospect is a little bit odd yeah
0: i definitely agree i mean i i like the movie a lot i like once upon a time in hollywood a lot but like as i think we when we ranked it i don't think like It's like up there with like bastards or pulp fiction. Well, yeah, you went
1: at three behind those two movies, you
0: know. And I think it's because I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to say, I don't want to use the word of all of his movies more of like, uh, like a new Chili Peppers album.
1: It's going to be good. You're going to like it. You like, well, not the last peppers.
0: You didn't like, you didn't like the last ones at all.
1: Not really. They had Frisanti coming back.
0: Well, they got well. Freshanti's back. They got the song on Q One on the one that they're playing called "I, uh, Tip of My Tongue." It's called. It's on. I don't. It's an okay song. My per. My point of saying that is, is that it will. They will never ever be Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Not that they're trying to be, but because that's a pastime.
1: Oh, you for, go Blood Sugar Sex Magic for your example.
0: But you you go because to me that's what Pulp Fiction is. You know. It's their, it's you know, one of their. Well, I won't say that because you're gonna probably say Californication or something like that, which is honestly, yeah, I, love I love Californication <laughs> more than Blood Sugar Sex Magic. I was just going by uh selling terms, but Californication. What's the
1: album that they did between those with the other guitarists? Uh, One Hot Minute, the one with uh Dave Navarro, yeah, that's uh, I don't like that
0: album, My Friends, are that song, My Friends, yeah, no. That being
1: said, I'm like um, Edward Norton in, in Glass Onion. You got to have Freshanti back with the chili peppers.
0: I want to get some of that hot sauce that he had in um, Glass Onion.
1: The Jeremy Renner's hot sauce?
0: Yeah, Jeremy Renner's secret hot sauce. Man, I get, hope get better like, soon, Jeremy Renner. Get better soon. Story. Very crazy. But
1: yeah, those are. Uh, that, And that, that is our um, discussion of. Mu- our favorite musical moments in Tarantino films. All right. All right, let's discuss law movies.
0: All right, so what I did was I try to go outside of the box and try to think of, I'm going to see if, well, you're going to mention some, and I'm going to see if I can mention some that you don't have on your list, because I mean, I looked I looked deep here. So, All right. So see.
1: my first was not a movie, but is a decently realistic show. It's a show that actually made me want to go to law school. And that's uh, Law and Order.
0: Yes. The original,
1: the original one with um Oh my god. Could I dedicate can we
0: dedicate at some point like an hour to Law and Order just yes. like Jerry Orbach Jerry Orbach yes.
1: Jerry Orbach and Jack McCoy um oh, my god. Sam Waterston.
0: In college yeah. my buddies and me would sit there and we would in not the right frame of mind, just watch Law & Order episodes. It was some of my most funnest times.
1: You got to have the the Jesse L. Martin, um, Ed Green, Lenny Briscoe, detective duo, and you got to have Sam Waterston trying the case. Because by the way, Jack McCoy is the greatest trial lawyer in the history of the world. Yes. I don't know why anyone goes to... like. If you're like, oh, you see Jack McCoy? Oh, crap. We're going to lose. Jack McCoy is going to wipe the floor with us. Don't put your client on the stand if Jack McCoy is trying your case. He will f your shit up.
0: He will. I I am I am all of those names. Waterson, Orbach. I mean I love Jerry Orbach. Guys. is great. I love Jerry Orbach. Jerry Orbach,
1: underrated actor in just the history of Hollywood.
0: He really he really really is um
1: Lumiere and Beauty and the Beast. Oh man! Originally brought uh, the Richard Gere character on stage in Chicago. Dude I know. Do it all.
0: I know. One day in my life, I'm gonna be like at a summer house, and I'm just gonna be like looking off, and my daughter's gonna come up to me, and she's gonna do. I'll that get whole... your
1: daughter an abortion.
0: <laughs> well, the, the part where she's like, "Daddy, I know, I know that you don't like him." But and he's just, like, staring with this mad face, and he's trying not to tear up. But he's like, I love you, too, or whatever she says. But he's great. I love Orbach. Amazing. Amazing pick. Yeah.
1: Out, outside of the fact that, like, every episode um, basically has that Columbo thing of, like, oh, I'm going to reveal the secret, the key to unlocking the case at the last five minutes while your client is on the stand. Like, that doesn't happen. But, uh I
0: love it. There's I love there's, it. The there's so, a spice. It. It's 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 a good mixture, it's it's entertaining. And as you said, I at that moment when I would watch that show, I kn- knew nothing more about lawyers than what I'd seen in movies. And he is amazing, an amazing, an amazing one. All
1: right, and before we get into actual law movies, I want to give a shout out to a law school movie, which is uh, 1973's The Paper Chase. Oh have yeah. you seen the Paper Chase? Yes, I sure have. So the paper, Chase, is about um, a first-year um, law student's um, journey in Harvard Law School, and it mainly centers around him in a contracts class with this curmudgeony of curmudgeony law professors. And I don't know if like you need to be a curmudgeony old fuck to be a contracts professor, but my first-year law professor was also a curmudgeony old fuck, and he was great, and everyone loved him. But uh, also, he was this old guy who was like pretentious and walked around with a star scarf and loved France, and <laughs> would chew your ass out in class if you did not do your homework. And so, I could not relate more to the paper chase. And there is this like interesting thing about the movie that it gets right is that it does not matter what your IQ is. I know like it's in that movie specifically set in Harvard, and I only went to Northern Illinois University. But regardless, everyone in your class is just as smart or smarter than you. It doesn't matter on intelligence. It law school, like they they tell you it's really all about changing the way you think. And you have to quote unquote think like a lawyer. And man, you need a, a contracts teacher to yell at you to whip you into shape to do it, apparently, and could not relate more to the paper chase.
0: That is, a, that is a, a good, and it's a deep cut, too. Definitely yeah. worth checking
1: out. All right. when well, My next movie, one of my favorite movies all time. Not only is it funny, it's surprisingly realistic. When I was in high school, we had announcements, but were actually read over a television. I went to a very fancy hoity-toity high school. And every year, the law club would play... Um the grit scene from My Cousin Vinny um, as an example like hey join the law club and it's just that scene you sure about those five minutes you sure about those five minutes are these magic grits did you order these grits from the same guy that Jack bought his beans from are these instant grits no self-respecting southerner uses instant grits <laughs> it's it not only is that scene just so good but outside of like, maybe like you shouldn't berate a witness, but what Joe Pesci's character does, I don't know if I said the movie, it's my cousin Vinny. And um, what Pesci's character Vinny does is actually how you are supposed to talk to a witness. Maybe you don't be so abrasive, but he's poking holes in these witnesses stories. And what I love about my cousin Vinny is that he is defending his client to the best of his ability. He's not sure that his client is innocent. Uh, you know, he doesn't know that Ralph Macchio didn't murder it, but he's like, shit, it's my nephew. We're family. I'm going to help him out. He's so good at poking holes at people's story. And throughout the entire film, he's poking holes in people's story. The way that he especially like tears into the prosecution's witnesses are super smart. And there's also a lot of really funny things like his opening, um, statement which by the way happens real life in a criminal trial. a lot of things in this movie happen in a criminal trial. underrated there's a pre-trial conference in this movie very specific procedural thing that the characters talk about like he could have gotten this case thrown out and then he doesn't know that and that's why um ralph machio's buddy goes with the other public defender who who, who's a terrible orator (laughs) (laughs) can't speak but you know, Vinny, when he does his his opening statement, he goes, "Everything that guy said was bullshit." I <laughs> think gets objected to. <laughs> so I don't. I'm pretty sure you, as a teacher, have to do like you have to take classes or, um, you know, to help with your education, right?
0: Well, yeah. Well, what did it, what ended so up happening? Your certification. Well, I went. Well, I start. I went to school. My degree is in advertising and sociology. Four years ago, I went back. And I got, and I'm regretting it every day. I got my, I got a special education license because I didn't want the hustle and bustle anymore to be in the city. Now I really would trade the hustle and bustle and I might be going back, which we'll be talking about at a later time. That being said, um, even today i was talking about some of the things that you just kind of you just you yeah. just said i, I um, bring
1: that up because as as a lawyer especially a lawyer in illinois if you want to continue your license you have to take what's called a cle a continually yeah. legal education or, something credit yeah they will have classes about like you can find somewhere that will have classes about my cousin vinny because it is so surprisingly accurate that's um,
0: one of the things that you've said since the beginning of the show, which is actually every time I see it, I like I think it's awesome. Because you know, a fool would say, Oh, you know, primal fear, you know, that's a realistic uh a lawyer movie, but the reality is is my cousin Vinny, a comedy, you know. And it's it's realistic. so it's so funny too. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. It was on, Ben Affleck is in it, it was on showtime this weekend it's called changing lanes. It's him. And he's a lawyer, Sydney Pollock's even in it. He's a lawyer and he's driving to a case and he runs Samuel Jackson off the road. Samuel Jackson's having a bad day, but in this encounter, he pretty much, he loses an important document for this case, but he like pretty much, this is great. Cause you're going to love this. He what? goes to Samuel L. Jackson as he drives away. Sorry about you. You know, have a good day. Peace be with you. He gets to the office and the office man, like his father-in-law in the head, like lawyer at the office is like Sidney Pollack. So like Sidney Pollock's, like, where's we need this paper. And he's like, uh, I, I don't have it. And Pollock's like, you better fucking get, I guess it's very serious that if you have like a document signed by somebody and you lose it, especially in this car scene with, with Sam. So, the whole movie is a ridiculous.
1: Yeah, so not have, thing. like, copies of it or... Well, that's what he said. He that's goes, not like I an... got... But
0: well, what it is is this is what happens is the other guy's like, don't worry, we got the copy. But then what ends up happening is, is I think can't... If Samuel Jackson wants to, if he's like, I got the paper, can't he, those guys get in trouble because this guy's in can charge of that paper, I think. So, like, the whole movie is a ridiculous... And the whole movie on that the whole movie's ridiculous back and forth. Um, Samuel Jackson, what it was was Samuel Jackson was heading to his daughter's, like his wife on court case to get custody to his daughter, and he was five minutes late to the case. So they told him, No daughter, you get nothing. This is the best part. After that part, Samuel's walking in the rain because he's just defeated. Affleck's driving. He sees Samuel walking, and he rolls down the window. Now, I don't know how they, they were on the expressway in the middle of New York. And now they're in the middle of the city and Affleck sees him walking in the rain. And he goes, sorry about earlier. And like, what's his name looks like. And he like, what the fuck? And he like turns to him and he goes, do you by chance see that paper that I left with you? You know, like imagine you just lost custody of your children. This guy ran you off the road. All you said was a quick "I'm sorry." It by
1: the by, the way, really no, not, court not case, really no court case, no court cases ever on time. Everyone tells their clients to get there like half an hour early, and you sit at court for like three hours. I remember when I was a prosecutor, and a bunch of people were like, "Hey, I got a ticket. It said I had to be here at 10:30." Like, cool. You're going to be here till like one.
0: My my favorite thing now with these lawyer movies is is imagining the most ridiculous ones. And then your response to how ridiculous what I'm seeing, like the primal fear thing, will get me for the rest of my life. Because until I met you, I thought that was, I didn't think it was legit that what Norton was doing, but I thought, you know, I thought what, what I thought, I thought a gear was putting out a pretty good performance as a lawyer trying to keep it all together, yeah. you
1: know. But well, yeah, if you're like faking a bike, like you can't fake uh, identity dissociative disorder like you will go with a overworked underpaid therapist and they will be able to sniff you out right away. No one is that good of an actor. Well, yeah. not not
0: especially the way he got caught too. They let him on a big chase and he gets caught like underneath the, like he just like hides underneath the uh train thing. But then he's so good that nobody knows that he's so angry like when they catch him and they're like you're going to prison for a while. He doesn't go, "Well, no, I'm effing not." He's like uh, 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 okay i can't even be that good you know what i'm saying you could turn right now and be like you know i've been lying to you pulp fiction sucks
1: and i'd be like what yeah ah, you like he held it together that whole movie without breaking real crazy yeah. and by the way if he wants to have an insanity defense he's gonna need a pony up money to get his own therapist to actually say and you know I'm sure there he will like there always will be unscrupulous therapists that will be willing to take your money and and, and plead your case in court, and it'll be laughed out of the courtroom. It's so silly that ending sucks. <laughs> I hate Brable <primal> fear
0: <laughs> I, I, I'm laughing really quick because I'm looking at this other one that was on with Harrison Ford called Regarding Henry. Have you ever heard of this movie? Uh, no, I' not familiar. He is a huge lawyer. Now, I want to ask you if this could happen at a lawyer firm. Huge lawyer, huge, gets in a car accident, loses his whole memory. But to save face, and it's a serious movie. This isn't a comedy. To save face, they bring him back because they don't want to look bad for letting him go. But when they bring him back, he doesn't really remember any of the client's. So he's kind of like learning how to be a lawyer on the fly, (laughs) which is like, you're really kind of liability a lot of your your clients if you don't remember it. But
1: yeah, you can't put him in front of
0: clients. (laughs) I found it funny. And I I thought of you too when I saw that, because you'd be like, this is totally implausible. You would never put this guy up in front of these people because it was like, before he went down, he was a partner. Now he comes back and he's the partner, but he doesn't remember everybody. So, like, when they're in the meetings and they're, like, talking to him, he's, like, got, like, that 10-gallon stare off in the distance. And they're, like, you here? And they're, like, yeah, 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 I'm here. You can't have lawyers like that on the job. You need to be sharp.
1: Yeah, I'm also pretty sure, like, you have a fiduciary responsibility to your clients to just have a random person come in and just, like, sit in on these meetings. (laughs) Sounds highly unethical.
0: A lot of, that's the thing you notice in a lot of these movies is the uh ethical-ness of them are, they're not there a lot.
1: And again, he would have to renew his law license every year. I'm pretty sure that's a requirement no matter what state you're in. (laughs) I'm trying to, the guy, I'm going to, the guy on,
0: the one guy who's in it, the guy who's like the head lawyer of the thing, he's in the thing. He's the police officer. He's got like white hair. He's like older. He's got like a skinny face. Well, whatever. But like, the thing about it is, is like the way they're like, man, we got to stick with him. He was good before the accident. Like, I'm pretty sure if I lost my memory, the school wouldn't just have me in there, like trying to teach whatever I was teaching because I wouldn't know what I was teaching. I'd just be like, hello. And then there'd be awkward pauses. But what other good one? You got another good one?
1: The only other. Um, all right. I really like a few good men. Um, it is a little bit different because it is military police. But like generally speaking, that movie is like a lot of how actual trials would go. You know, you see a lot of them. Like you need to, you know, like they're trying to prove the heart of the matter. Like did Jessup order the code red? Um, they don't really have it. They're having a hard time doing it. Um, but they're putting their best. They're they're doing their own research. They're putting the best witnesses forward. They do a really good job of cross-examination. There's a really smart scene with... Um, oh, my God. Who plays the doctor in the movie who was on SNL and he does the... Who did um, Best in Show? Christopher Guest.
0: Yeah, yes. he's in, he, I forgot he's in that movie.
1: Yeah. Chris sorry, This is... Fuck, I swear to God, man. I'm off this podcast like, it's got Christopher Guest, it's got Noah Wiley, it's got like all these people. The, so that, there's a scene I, where, I love, where Christopher Guest...
0: I love that movie. But
1: yeah. go on. Christopher Guest plays the doctor, um, and they're talking about wow. specific specific ketoacidosis or something. But they're like, because they're they're he's he's explaining the cause of death, and each side, Kevin Bacon and Tom Cruise, are each trying to prove, like they have different reasonings for how the cause of death could come to be, and you know you have this doctor, who's like. You know there are these underlying factors that like Tom Cruise has to get out of him, but it's this back and forth between the two characters of like each trying to get their own side of how this cause of death could have occurred, Um, and that's kind of what happens. Like you're just trying to get your own facts out, and Tom Cruise is is is, like trying to build this case of like he had these underlying conditions. How we died is not exactly how we died, or the specifics of like how we died is a little bit different. Therefore, his clients then were a little bit more lenient. Tell me
0: you wouldn't dream to have someone cool like Kevin Pollack helping you out on the side there like Tom Cruise. And he did better than Demi Moore and she got on the billboard. No, I'm just kidding. But Demi Moore did good too. Um, But I definitely agree with you. I'll always remember, you know, just the whole, did Santiago order the code red? Not Not even can you handle the truth. I know that part a lot, but I always will remember the Santiago I was just sitting here, I was like, what was his name? Oh, Santiago, Code Red. Was like, that was a movie again. Um I I watched that when I was again 13 or 14, and right off the bat, I was like, I like this movie. This is a good movie, and I always liked that one.
1: Yeah, again, no, I mean there's a, a phrase in the, like the law that you know I heard a lot growing up of like you never ask a question which you don't know the answer to. Yes. Which Cruz does to Jessup at the end, and again, the, these movies have to end with a big climactic. You know, even when back, going back to Law and Order, and you know the Columbo thing, it has to end with this dramatic reveal of the witness stand. You're goddamn right. I ordered the code red, <laughs> which would never happen in any case, like military trial or otherwise. But at least the the movie. I've said this before on another podcast. The movie at least treats that moment with the gravitas it deserves, because. It's like if you, you question a high ranking general and you're wrong and you don't get it, you're gonna get this barred and you're gonna get a military court martialed. So at least it like treats it with the the, the, the proper stakes, because that probably would happen.
0: The I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, but uh, in the the last one that I got here, um, and I just had rewatched it this weekend for again, it's been a long, long time. Um, Edward Norton's in it, but he plays a lawyer in this movie um and it's milo's formans the people versus larry flint you ever see that movie that's another wikipedia movie it really it really is it really is a wikipedia movie but i again you know nobody talks about it at
1: all i you will know, say it is a milos very Forman. like it is a legitimate really important first amendment case in the history of america like they they teach that case to you in law school i had a whole class all that's about awesome. the, the First Amendment, that's cool, and it, it, it's, it's a seminal case about you know freedom of the press and freedom of speech. See, no, you know I th- what, that, I think that, the movie kind of stinks, but that's all I wanted to
0: hear right there was that part. I mean, the movie again, it's see, I think that that's that's I, you know, you, you. Me, I'm okay a little bit sometimes with the pretentious. You hate the pretentious. Me, sometimes I like the Wikipedia entries. You don't like the Wikipedia entries. It's, that's what's, that's, but some of this stuff, it's, you know, um, it's not a perfect movie by any stretch. I like Woody Harrelson personally um, in the movie because I think, I'll tell you who ruins the movie is the female lead in Courtney Love, they could have done yeah, something better than her. Can't she can't act. No. But that being said, uh, let's move on. Do you want to move on to our last section here?
1: Yeah. I'm, sorry, I'm looking up Golden Globe
0: winners. No, you could go ahead and look that up. I'm going to play the little song here. All
1: right, we are going to end... Uh, the episode like we do every episode and pick a movie to discuss for our letterbox segment. Just a reminder, we have a letterbox account. If you have one too, follow us there, we will follow you back. Basically just an excuse for us to talk about the movie. But after we're done, we will rank the movie on our letterbox account. And uh, generally how this works is one of us will pick a movie and the other one will pick kind of like a really good double pairing to go with it. My movie that I picked was Chloe. Looks like Tony is going to talk about Fatal Attraction, which is actually a great uh, um, double feature. Um, one is definitely much better than the other. Um, I, I'm talking about Chloe just because like, I, just, I hadn't seen it before. I just saw it on Netflix. Um, it is a 2009 film. It is directed by this cat named Adam Egoyan written by Aaron Cressida Wilson starring Julianne Moore, Amanda Seyfried, Liam Neeson. Um, if I remember correctly, this is like Amanda Seyfried trying to do a little bit more adult roles, trying to get away from her character from mean girls. So she plays this escort that Julianne Moore hires and attempt to seduce her husband to confirm that he's cheating on her. Um, and I actually, thought the first two acts were, were pretty solid. You know, it's as uh, what would you call this genre? Like sexual, th- erotic thriller.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, which and- I gotta read before you go. I, and more, I watched Chloe when it first came out, and I and I did like it. But when did that come? What you said, two thousand and nine? Nine. Yeah, I gotta watch. It. That's been a long time. Nah, it's a. I like it, see, but like see, I could go through. You know how I talked about earlier about newspaper movies. You should talk to me about like these. Like to me, like that's why I was really, I was really excited about Dark Water. I was talking about Dark Water like seven months before we even started the podcast because I was like, "It's the guy who did Fatal Attraction. This is my wheelhouse. This is gonna be cool. I like atmosphere." Um, Chloe, yes, it's not as good as Fatal Attraction, but
1: I, I really <laughs> like. I'm getting into the mindset where you have to be like Adrian Lyne did fatal attraction or you have to be paul verhoeven who like his films are so like has so much sexuality and violence to him to to pull this off because well i think uh, it's like yeah. i think it, it must be, i'm getting like the impression that like you need to be like a really skillful director to do this because well you're right there is it is has that very rainy moody erotic thrillerness to chloe and to its credit, the first two acts I actually think are pretty solid. Where Amanda Seyfried starts to get involved with Julia Moore's character, and I don't—I swear to God, like Julia Moore is naked in more movies than she's not. I kind <laughs> of—I oh, don't understand. <laughs> I, I, I,
0: you know, I don't even know if I could say this on on this camera, but it's funny you should bring that up because I'm talking about like back in high school, she's fully frontal naked in The Big Lebowski. She's fully frontal naked in Shortcuts. No, um, she please?
1: she's she's bottomless in shortcuts. Yeah, I
0: mean but <laughs> yeah. okay. I, I'm going when I say full frontal, I'm specifically <laughs> talking bottom half, where you see uh, a pubic hair is pretty much she she's like having I an think.
1: argument with like her partner just six <laughs> at least
0: six six uh at least six movies, but hey she likes to, you know maybe she likes to be free. I mean, I love me Julianne more. I'm not
1: gonna complain personally. Um,
0: but uh, Julianne Moore, I mean, you know, um, that being said,
1: an, an erotic thriller starring Julianne Moore, you do get to see naked Julianne Moore. <laughs> um, The, we'll, the little, we'll go on. I was gonna say, the, the third act is holy, shit doesn't fall off a cliff. That's <laughs> like. Amanda Seyfried's Chloe character like tries to get in with Julianne Moore, and then like goes to her son and is like, "That's right." Now you just reminded me. Now
0: I know the whole story. That's Mm -hmm. what it was. It was that she started going with yes, 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 yes. But like,
1: she's like trying to like blackmail Julianne Moore, but also like trying to be with her, and it it like. I, I, like the, the plots were like it was right there for the taking and it was just executed so poorly. So I'm going to give it like three out of five stars. Yeah, um, That's fair. It, it's solid for the genre that it is. And just uh really bungles the
0: ending. Well, first I don't know if you know this and I'm curious and I bet it will be, I'm going to take a wild guess that it's going to be on my top 10 television shows of 2023. Do you know that they're coming out with the fatal attraction television show this year on
1: Paramount plus? Uh, oh, if it's a Paramount Plus, I'm, it cannot be. Uh, it's not going to be good.
0: Oh, we got we got Amanda Peet as the wife. Mm-hmm. We got Joshua Jackson as Dan Gallagher, and we got Lizzie Kaplan as Alex. As as what's Ooh. her name? We got, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I love Lizzie Kaplan. I
1: don't see her. We'll see.
0: As we'll have to wait closer. and see. Uh, on to this movie. Um, One of my favorite lines is... Um, Shut up at my apartment! What am I supposed to do? You won't answer my
1: calls. You change your number. I'm, I'm not going to be ignored, Dan. Not be
0: ignored, Dan. Uh, Yeah. You know, every time I don't do something... Again, next week we'll talk about it. But every time I don't do something around the house that I'm supposed to... That's what my wife <laughs> says. <And> my <mine> name's <laughs> not Dan. But um, I, man, I don't, you know... I I love this movie probably way more than I probably should like this movie because I only like it for more than reasons because I find the whole plot extremely ridiculous. And when I mean ridiculous, I mean so ridiculous that I love it because like I just, again, and I believe, I could be wrong here. Hold on a second here. Uh, Hold on. Yes, yes. And this is a tie-in to our whole lawyer thing because they're lawyers in this. Dan's a lawyer in the movie, he's a successful lawyer, and come on now, I mean, I'm sorry, I watched this movie, and Glenn Close is one of my favorite actresses of all time, but I don't know if I would have really thrown it all away for her, you know, I mean, you're successful, you got a nice kid, I don't know, I love the movie, Um, she's crazy, Um, starts out pretty much, uh, film centers on, Douglas is married, um, she comes in, she's sexy. They have a one night stand, and pretty much he wants to just say, You know what? That was a good time. She does not want to say it's a good time. And she, as you heard, she does not want to be ignored.
1: So, I mean, Like I feel like you have to have an experience hand like Adrian Line to do these movies because.
0: Well, I, mean... I also believe you want to be honest with you. I believe it's a time period thing, too. Um, all of the great ones. Honestly, are like nineties and eighties. I don't know. I don't know if it's hard. I don't know why. But like Dark Water, you know, you had the people dating each other and it was that bad. And he was directing it.
1: I think the movie got taken away from him. That too. That's that's fair point too. But you're Um, right, yeah. I mean Dark Dark Water is mm -hmm. holy crap, is that a mess? Chloe looks like the godfather near to (laughs) to Dark Water. Deep water, dark water.
0: But that being said, I like it a lot. I mean, I would. What would you give it? How many stars would you give Fatal Attraction?
1: I give it a solid four stars. Perfect.
0: Sounds good. You know, I think you know it's it's a it's one of the top ones in that in that genre. I mean, this type of movie I don't think would ever be nominated. I mean, it should actually maybe for a cameo. Was she nominated? I don't think she
1: was. Fatal Attraction.
0: She 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 should have been
1: nominated for six Oscars.
0: So it did get some Oscar play. So that's it got kind of a
1: best, of it. best picture, best actress, best actress in a supporting role, best or director.
0: Right. I should have known that. Oh my God.
1: So goodness. it did
0: get a lot of play. So, yes.
1: Was the next 80s also, I like Fatal Attraction. Were the 80s just like a really bad year for movies? <clears throat> okay. Um, this was the year of uh, Empire of the Sun, The Untouchables um
0: that's that movie i i you know i don't know about that movie
1: i'm trying to think of like other like notable notable movies that got nominated this year moonstruck broadcast news wall street well street. good morning vietnam that's pretty good in the 80s, 80s were kind of a bad year for American movies, to be honest.
0: Well, I mean, it all depends on what you're... It was a good year. It was good if you were into, you know... It's good if macho, you are into... Macho extremism action movies. That's true. Uh, really immature comedies. Um, But if you're talking about like a Godfather?
1: It was a bad I mean, year for prestige movies.
0: You know, off the top of my head, the first one that came to my head, Platoon. Uh, was,
1: I think Platoon is a year later.
0: Eight, well, I'm just saying in the 80s in general, like oh. I'm just going 80s in general, to try yeah. To pick yeah,
1: yeah, there's obviously good movies in the 80s, We're not but...
0: not like the 70s or like the 90s, you know. It's, Man, I, it's definitely I think the
1: like 70s it. and 90s are some of the greatest decades for American well, movies. Well, I mean, I think see,
0: I don't know if you'll ever see another decade like those decades. Oh,
1: bro, you're telling me <laughs> movies are dead yes well let's we're here to try to bring them back <laughs> thank you so much for listening we got an awesome show for you next week we are going to be discussing the net the new netflix movie all quiet on the western front uh we are going to be because the freaking golden globes are dumb and they're happening on a tuesday night happening as we speak Hooper. we'll break down the the winners and losers on um next episode we're going to have the topic uh movie and tv and movie quotes that we use in our everyday life um more good stuff that we'll play throughout the week heck yeah um if you are not watching us on youtube make sure to check us out on youtube um we have a letterbox account as i mentioned tony is killing it on instagram account we have um our own twitter account uh we have a what i mean is there's a twitter account for the podcast and Tony and I have our own Twitter account. Um, you can follow me at Millennial Sex. Yeah, that's better
0: <laughs> And you can follow me at Tony at the Sugar Baggy.
1: Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, the best thing you can do is tell a friend about it. Thank you so much. that
0: is the box.
1: What's the fucking
0: box? All right. And uh, always remember what's in the box. And we'll see you next week. What's in the box? Ah.